This is Matt Connickson. I'm the sales agronomist with CHX Ag Services in Oakley, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Whitney Pittman along with Sierra Doctor and Randy Conan. Today, to start things off, we have Harvest Hotline brought to you by the North Dakota Mill, Amity Technology, and Ag Country Farm Credit Services. St. James, Minnesota farmer Harold Woolley says in south-central Minnesota, farmers are pretty well wrapped up with corn harvest. Finished harvest last week. Uh, you know, harvest has been progressing really well in south-central Minnesota. Now, I think we're at 90% or above. There are a few fields left to be done, and, and most most farmers are working on those now. We're doing our tillage and, and, and applying fertilizer, so... A lot of anhydrous going on in the area. You know, last week we had a cool down, so our ground temperatures are, are down where that anhydrous application is acceptable. It's, it's been a pretty good fall. A couple of rain delays there. Well, he says yields were a little below average. You know, uh, the, the soybeans, we were pleasantly surprised they were at or above uh, our APHs, and our corn was, uh, was uh, on the other side. It was below APH by 10 to 15%. You know, the weather just was not conducive uh, for an outstanding corn crop this year. And, and, and there were some odd twists in there. You know, we had way too much rain right at planting time, 6 to 10 inches, depending upon the specific location of a farm. And folks, at that point, we had to do replanting. We had four stands. North Dakota Soybean Growers Association Executive Director Nancy Johnson says most soybean growers across the state have been able to get harvest wrapped up. The uh, harvest looks like it's almost wrapped up. There are little pockets here and there, we understand, but on the whole, we have, have had a good harvest. We were able to get most of the soybeans off before we had that rain slash snow, and a few people struggled with their soybeans and got them off after everything kind of melted, but we certainly are happy to have harvest wrapping up and the yields are often better than expected. You know, we did have a fairly dry August and soybeans do like a little moisture in August. So it is a good thing to hear that the soybeans, hopefully the genetics are the reason why we, we got uh, really good yields despite having not the most favorable weather. And disease and insect pressures were thankfully limited this year. We were really actually fortunate because uh, some of the diseases, some of the, like the white mold, which we sometimes get in a wetter year, uh, there was very few incidents of that, which is good. And there didn't seem to be any um, any particular outbreak breaks of uh, insects that caused a great deal of harm. So we were fortunate there. Farmers are slowly getting back to harvesting in the Eulen, Minnesota area. West Central Ag Services grain merchandiser Randy Zimmerman says guys are just slowly getting going. The wheels are starting to spin once that snow kind of melted off and everything um, moved off the plants. That certainly helped, and then they're in, they're able to get in there and um, move some corn this week. Uh, definitely a um, little bit muddy conditions yet, but uh, looking ahead, the weather... You know, we get by the next couple of days. I think next week looks pretty good, so that should help a lot of guys out. And Zimmerman said the corn did pick up some moisture. Um, we probably gained a point or two from that last moisture. Um, so, you know, if the sun would shine and we get some warmer days next week, that might uh, bring it back to where it was previously. Um, but for the most part, you know, corn is in pretty good shape. Uh, some, some of it actually 
close to dry, and then a lot of it in that probably 17 to 19% moisture area. And Zimmerman estimates about 20% of that corn crop is still in the field. And that's Harvest Hotline brought to you by Ag Country Farm Credit Services, the North Dakota Mill, and Amity Technology. Snow cover continues to decline across the northern plains and should be mostly gone by next week, Wednesday. World Weather Incorporated says some light snow will occur in the northeastern region through Thursday with new snow accumulations ranging from a dusting up to three inches. World Weather says more rain and snow is expected in the second week of the outlook from November 15th through the 22nd. Another 10 days of warm to hot temperatures are expected for much of central and northern Brazil. World Weather Incorporated says central Mato Grosso northward will see some of the porous conditions, while areas from northern Paraná eastward have enough soil moisture to support crop development. Southern Brazil will continue to be wet with more flooding rains expected. Argentina is expected to see a good mix of rain and sunshine that will allow for favorable crop development. The war between Israel and Hamas appears to be contained to their region. NDSU Extension crops economist Frane Olson says the war hasn't had an impact on the U.S. wheat market yet. Um, and, and I want to I want to be very clear about that. So far, we really have not seen any kind of a risk premium show up in either the wheat or the corn markets because uh, that region also buys some corn. So right now, the, again, the grain markets are watching what's happening. They're paying attention very closely. But we haven't really seen a, a shift in perspective or, or any kind of a risk premium start being bid in the marketplace. The big concern, though, is, however, the big but <laughs> is if, if the armed conflict expands, if there's in particular uh, Iran is one of the countries that everybody's watching very closely. And also watching to see if Iran becomes involved in that conflict, which could lead to a risky wheat market. And they have military capacity. Um, they've had interactions and, and a lot of conflict with Israel in the past. Um, so if this conflict that's right now really confined to the Gaza Strip, if that starts to expand and grow where other countries become involved, um, that's when we're going to see the grain markets respond. And, and the most likely response would be uh, a risk premium coming back in, so we'll probably see some lifting of prices. And, and just because of the concerns about product flow and being able to get product where it needs to be. The weekly ethanol report from the Energy Information Administration is not available this week. EIA is completing a planned systems upgrade. EIA will continue to collect data and will publish two weeks of official data next week. For more information from the Red River Farm Network, visit Facebook and Twitter. You can also find stories, podcasts, and more by visiting rrfn.com. Reporting agriculture's business. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The state's Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit prohibited California's Proposition 65 warning requirements related to glyphosate. National Association of Wheat Growers Executive Director Chandler Gould says the permanent injunction is a win for all farmers who use glyphosate. Well, first and most important, this is a gigantic win for the U.S. wheat growers and for actually all farmers across the United States. This permanent injunction on California's Prop 65 is making sure that we do not have to put a misleading and false label on any products at, at, at end use that had uh, 
uh, glyphosate used during the production system. And we're also just thrilled that this was actually a science-based decision and came down to facts and not emotions. And so that's the, that's the biggest plus. This lawsuit has been going on for six years as with not being the lead plaintiff against the state of California. Google says there was no scientific backing that showed glyphosate was unsafe for crop use. I mean, glyphosate continues to be glyphosate continues to be used here in the U.S. and and, and definitely, uh, you know, because we've got the EPA, we've got the Institute of Health, um, and 40 years of safety records showing that this is a safe crop protection tool for us to use. And then even to point out that even more countries that even have stricter regulations, the EU and New Zealand all have said and studied and researched and said that glyphosate is safe. And so this is going to be a, a, a huge win for us also when you look at sustainability and climate. Had, had we lost this important tool out of our toolbox, we would have had to start tilling up our land again in order to farm. Warren, Minnesota farmer Denise Olson has hired two H-2A workers each year on a contract from March 1st through December 31st. A new Department of Labor rule on the adverse effect wage rate will go into effect January 1st, requiring employees to be paid the base wage for the highest paid uh, tasks they perform for the duration of their contract. Olson says if this new rule remains in place, it would cost her tens of thousands of dollars more per year than it did in years past. You know, a little bit depends on the number of hours, but it would be anywhere from eighty-five to $97,000 would be uh, the cost for my farm alone to um, have exactly what I have now with this um, increased uh, wage rule. To put it mildly, I guess, this, this program would be, you know, could become just unaffordable because on a farming situation, there's no way you would just spend that kind of money to have exactly what you have now. And we're already in a... Um, an exhausted workforce. Olson's family farm is only a few years shy of becoming a century farm, but without the H-2A labor, Olson says it might not be possible to keep things going. Before I started this program, I had placed ads in local newspapers all around, and we did not have one person that even applied for that. So this is where I moved three years ago to the H-2A, and it has worked very well in our farm. The workers seem very happy. We've been able to continue running our farm from day to day, but there, there is, uh, we have no workforce up here. And if you look around just in my general area up here by Warren, more and more and more, five, even three, four, five years ago, there wasn't as many South Africans. Um, in the H-2A program, and right now, very few farms don't have H-2A. The U.S. Department of Justice filed an amended antitrust lawsuit against Agristats, Inc. in September for organizing and managing anti-competitive information exchanges among broiler chicken, pork, and turkey processors. The attorneys general of four states, including Minnesota and California, filed the amended complaint Monday in District of Minnesota. The complaint alleges Agristat's reports are used by meat processors to engage in coordinated in a coordinated effort to increase prices and reduce output, violating federal antitrust law. Agristat's strongly denies the allegations, which were rejected earlier this year in U.S. District Court. USDA Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack announced progress on their approach, approach to create a fairer market for small and mid-sized farmers. USDA has finalized the rule in a series of rules under the Packers and Stockyards Act. 
USDA also announced updates on several other efforts under President Biden's executive order to promote competition in America's economy. This includes a notice to seed companies that they are that they should share clear information about seed varieties. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good afternoon. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. There was a slight increase to farmer sentiment in the October CME Group Purdue University Ag Economy Barometer. Purdue Director of Commercial Agriculture Jim Mintert says higher than expected yields seem to play a role in the increase. Probably the biggest thing was people became a little more optimistic about their farm's financial situation. Uh, the Farm Financial Performance Index was up six points in October compared to September. Um, and that's actually the highest reading we've gotten on that index going back to April. So, you know, exactly why they felt better about their financial situation is a little unclear. I think, you know, particularly in the Corn Belt, one of the drivers of that was probably the fact that we continue to hear a lot of reports, especially here in the Eastern Corn Belt, about very strong yields this fall and yields being um not only good from kind of a long-run perspective, but significantly above expectations from just a month or two ago. October's reading saw just a four-point increase, but the barometer still relatively low at 110. Although I have to say from the time that uh, we conducted our survey in September versus October, there was an improvement in the prices, particularly on the soybean side. So that combination, I think, made people feel a little bit better. But, you know, I think it's important to keep the broader perspective in mind, it's not like people are telling us it's great, right? So with an index reading of 110, keep in mind the, the base for the barometer is the fourth quarter of 2015, the first quarter of 2016, which was the beginning or early days of a downturn in, in production ag. So with an index reading that's just 10 points higher than that, you know, it's not like people are telling us it's great, it is, uh, but it was a modest improvement compared to a month earlier. A look at markets before we leave you. Minneapolis December wheat 11 higher at 735 and a quarter. March nine and a half higher. Chicago wheat 20 higher at 590 and a half. Kansas City 20 and a half higher at 653. December corn six and a quarter higher at 474 and three quarters. March five and three quarters higher. January soybeans a penny and three quarters higher at 1364. March uh, penny higher. And live cattle, December futures trading 67 cents higher at 179.42. February live cattle, $1.10 higher. Feeders, November futures, $1.97 higher at 234.20. January feeder cattle, $1.77 higher at 232.60. December lean hogs, $1.30 lower at $71.60. February lean hogs. $1.32 lower at $74.70. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.